Welcome to Virtual Economy, a podcast about the business of games for the rest of us. We're your hosts, I'm Michael Footer. And I'm Amanda Farrow. On each episode, we'll cover the biggest business beats and bring in expert commentary from lawyers, analysts, and industry pros. This is episode 131. Oh god, GameStop is bleeding! Hello, this is GameStop. How can I help you? Thank you for calling GameStop, where you can pre-order a roll of gauze and some band-aids. This is Chad. <laughs> I love that you that you named your fictional GameStop human Chad. Aren't they all named Chad? Isn't that like a rule? I don't... I'm not familiar with this rule. Oh. I'm familiar with a lot of internet rules. I'm not familiar with that one. Oh, okay. So, yes. What's going on with earning, GameStop? Earning season is over for, for most... But GameStop being a month offset, we've got GameStop earnings. The company is still hemorrhaging money as it begins its pivot into the drowning world of NFTs. No fucking thanks. Exactly. Now, the company did see an increase in sales for the first quarter of its fiscal year. It's up 8% to $1.378 billion. But... Okay, but how was it hemorrhaging then? Okay. Buckle up. First of all, they're carrying 60.7% more inventory. And that's what got what? them in trouble in the first place. Why, though? Because PC. So oh, PC Lord. equipment is expensive. Mm-hmm. They've started pivoting to PC, right? They nearly have a billion dollars in inventory right now. Girl. Yeah. One thing that GameStop... So when you see these... If you ever looked at an earnings press release, there's a lot of, like, bullet points. I've never seen one before. Well, Can I'm you? not talking about you. I'm talking to our listeners. <laughs> listeners, don't pay attention to Amanda. She has read many press releases. I know this. It's true. I've been covering this industry for a very, very long time. Yep. So when you look at an earnings press release, remember it's called investor relations, which is like public relations, but for a very specific public, the ones that actually have given you money. Yes. And, and so not you your have to treat them. You have to treat them very differently. Right. So there, there is some connection between IR and PR. But when you're writing an IR release, you're putting your, your bullet points up front. When you're writing your, your quarterly earnings release, it's like, oh, we did this. This was great. We had a record quarter. Like we, our revenue went up. One thing that wasn't in their bullet points at the top, their loss nearly quadrupled for the quarter from $40.8 million to $153.7 million. That's your operating loss. I, okay. Okay. Yeah. So when we talk about operating loss, that's, that is your operations. It doesn't deal with investments. It doesn't deal with anything. It's, it's literally. It's your day-to-day. It's your day-to-day business. What did your day-to-day business do for the quarter? We lost four times more money this quarter, guys. Aren't you Than excited? Yeah. Aren't NFTs, you excited? Baby. They posted a bottom line loss of $157.9 million in the first quarter compared to a loss of $66.8 million in the first quarter of last year. Yike. That represents 11.5% of net sales versus only 5.2% of net sales last year. Holy smokes. Their cost of goods sold climbed 5.7% and their selling general administrative expenses jumped 22.1%. They took no questions on the earnings call. They provided no guidance again on the earnings call. Cowards. Well, this is this is what's weird, right? When they were in the middle of the memification, they're like, we're not going to provide guidance right now. That was kind of understandable. They're like, we have a problem. Like, this is out of our control. We have lost control of 
our market cap, our market capitalization. We've lost control of public sentiment. We've lost control of like we. They were a tool. They were a passenger on the car ride that was the crazy meme, the game stunk memification. They, ah, they were the not in the driver's seat there. They no, were, they were. They were they just were, enjoying the fruits of no labor. They were in the shitty middle seat in the back of the minivan. Is what I'm oh, saying. Oh, I've been there. Yeah, we all have at one point or another. Sure. But now, a year plus after GameStonk providing no guidance and taking no questions, they are, there is something really wrong at that company right now. Okay. But also, in GameStop's defense, there's been something really wrong there for at least the last four or five years. Right. And now, of course, they're under new management. They have a new board direction. Like, everything is... When was the la- okay, let, let's let's be real for a second. When was the last time either of us set foot in a GameStop? Even prior to the pandemic. I ne- I think the I, last I, time I went was before I moved here in 2017. No, you and I went into a mall at some point, And I think we were Christmas shopping for the kids at some point. And I walked in and there were new Amiibos that were being released that day or that week. That was and 2017. It had GameStop to had no Amiibos. Like they had, they it, it was it was all like tchotchkes and Funkos and stuff, and they didn't have any actual and I do like, like in demand gaming accessories. I do like Funko Pops and I do like weird nerd accessories. And y'all, yeah, nobody really goes to GameStop anymore. So my big takeaways here: their inventory blooming again, like it did, like all the way up to a billion dollars. The operating loss is enormous. The bottom line loss is enormous. Cost of goods sold is climbing. SGNA is climbing. They're launching their their NFT wallet, which all my apes are gone. But in this case, it's like Donkey Kong ran off with the bananas. I hope he does, quite frankly. And I hope that he eats them all. He is the hardest working monkey. He really is. I love me some Donkey Kong. I hope he doesn't get monkey pox. Dude. Why are you like this? I, you know what? It's time to move on. It is. It time is. to move on to our one investment story. Yeah. Guys, this is a quick, quick episode. Like, we know that Summer Game Fest is starting. In fact, we're, we're squeezing this in right before Summer Game Fest proper hits We today. are not streaming it this we're not year, streaming. to be There's clear. There's too much going on. It's grad season. Our eldest is graduating from high school. We have two other children that are moving on to new schools. And it's just, it's too much. So this is this is a, a short episode as... At this point, you have figured out. Okay, so let's talk about our one and only investment story, which is about Embracer Group. Now, normally when it comes to investment stories in Embracer Group, we're not usually surprised. You know, we had that big surprise with Square Enix West. Yep. And other than that, it's mostly been a, huh, okay, I can see how that can fit into portfolio strategy. I mean, those were big, but they weren't like... Aspire, you know? Like, these are are all things that we're like, oh, okay, yeah, that's a little... That's a lot, but okay, all right. Yeah. This one. This one. This one gives us a pause in the worst way. Yes. So Embracer Group has accepted a massive new investment. Not necessarily a bad thing. Yep. But the company has announced that Saudi Arabia's Savvy Gaming Group has invested $1 billion in the company. Hey, Mike, why is this worrying? Well, you see, the Saudi government is guilty of numerous human rights abuses, and ruler Mohammed bin Salman ordered the assassination of Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi. So, big problem here, folks. Oh, big also, problem. like real quickly, I do want to say uh, a big up, big ups to a lot of journalists in the space who mention this literally every time Savvy Gaming 
or the Saudi Public Investment Fund comes up. And we will Nobody continue. Nobody's letting this go. We will continue to do that ourselves as well. So Savvy Gaming owns ESL and FaceIt. Um, and Savvy Gaming Group is in turn owned by the by Saudi Arabia's Public Investment Fund, which owns SNK outright and has invested in Activision Blizzard, EA, Take Two, Capcom, Nexon, Nintendo, and more. You know when we said when people were just like, "Oh man, Tencent's investing too much into Western games." You know what? I'll take Tencent over the Saudi government. Thanks yep. so very much. Yep. So this investment. Um, into Embracer Group gives Savvy 8.1% of outstanding shares and 5.4% of voting shares. This is not an insignificant investment. This is very worrying. Absolutely. And of course, you know, we already mentioned the list of games that they've invested in. We're keeping our eye on it just because, you know, not that, not that China is uh, free from human rights abuses. And no, quite they frankly, do not that the United the States isn't free from human rights abuses. Honestly, can clear. we look at any country in the entire world that doesn't abuse its people? Uh, I mean, my home country has as well. Yeah. That's why we have National Day of Reconciliation in Canada. Mm-hmm. So because, you know, of all of the horrible atrocities committed and continuing to be committed against indigenous peoples. But I, I think there is a slight difference between Tencent and the public investment fund and in, in, in Savvy Gaming, whereas Tencent is a company that is headquartered in China and is, of course, then beholden to, and just as anybody who operates in China is, whether they're headquartered there or not, they're beholden to the government and that government's excessive uh, propaganda and, and all of that stuff. But we're talking about, this is state This is owned. a government. This is government. This is the Saudi government. Exactly. That's really worrisome and scary, and I really hope that everybody keeps holding Savvy Gaming accountable for the atrocities that the Saudi government continue continues to okay. commit. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I, we I normally take a break here, but, like, we've only been at this for 10 minutes. Yeah, are you guys, are you all tired? Are yeah. you tired of I mean, I'm yet? tired, but not for the, not for because of the podcast. Oh, no, yeah. we're tired for other reasons. So, hey, Mikey. Yep. What time is it? It's time for quick hits. Oh, it's even more beautiful. It's time for quick hits. It's time for quick hits. It's time for quick hits. <laughs> what was that? I have no fucking clue. He's so tired. Oh, God. He's so tired. Oh, All right, let's 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 kick things off. Let's give Mike a little bit of a breather oh, for a second. Oh, daddy hurts. Daddy hurts. Okay. <laughs> Niantic's Pokemon Go continues to rake in the big dollars. Our eldest daughter actually just started playing Pokemon Go again, so it's actually making a comeback in our household yet again. Um, It is past the $6 billion revenue mark, so it has made about a billion dollars a year since its launch in 2016. Wild. All right, here's a good one. Square Enix has walked back its plan to fund NFT and blockchain games with the proceeds of its $300 million sale of Western Studios to the Embracer Group. The company said it will now focus on building solid IP and invest in the core of its digital entertainment segment, which is where its HD games and its mobile games live. So, okay. so let's say crypto's crashing, NFTs are in the toilet, and Square Enix is like, but uh, maybe we shouldn't. Nah. Might be the smartest thing the company has done in a while. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, Mike, you want to take the next one? Sure. Uh, the Media Indie Exchange, the Mix. Oh, the Mix. We the mix. love the Mix. We love the Mix. We love the Mix. Uh, which is the Gorilla 
uh, we love the gorilla presentations. The gorilla presentations. The gorilla yeah, yeah those are them. awesome. Uh, they're launching their own publishing label. <gasps> Good for yeah, them. Yeah, they're going to be publishing. Uh, oh my god! Wow, I do not. I do not understand what you were saying here. So I'm it like, you know what? You do it. Neo retro got turned into no realtor thanks to <laughs> thanks to autocorrect. Thanks, I was autocorrect. typing quickly earlier. It's neo retro games and other titles that they're going to be multi platform. They're also going to be supporting uh, whomever they sign with all the usual publishing services, development support, financial support, manufacturing, distribution, marketing support, all that stuff. Justin Woodward, really good guy. He runs the mix. He's also going to be leading the label. I love that. With all these no realtor games. With all these no realtor games. I was not diving into that. You can own your own mess. I love it. I don't. No Moving realtor on. games. Neo Moving. retro. No realtor. For sale by owner. No brain. Only vibes. Only vibes. Okay. Humble has announced its latest round of funding for the Black Game Dev Fund. A million dollars will be distributed to five projects in the fund's third year. Code Blue Games is making a third-person science fiction action-adventure game called Six Degrees. GX Grainson is making a follow-up to his 2D fantasy fighting game, Arcus Chroma. Joseph Hooker's upcoming untitled game will meld retro aesthetics with modern tools. Hmm. Ritual Games is working on an unannounced game inspired by fighting games and 80s action movies. Oh. Weathered Sweater is working on a new unannounced turn-based survival game. Dope. Double O. Additionally, Protodroid Delta by Adam Kareem, which was funded in 2020 through the fund, is a 3D action platformer, and this will be the first fund recipient that Humble is publishing. I love this. This is great. More of this. Don't forget to fund Black developers. Yeah, so this is this is really cool. I love seeing this pipeline of, hey, we're going to fund people. Hey, they made their they, they built their game up. Now we're able to publish it and, and work with them to bring it to market. I think this is awesome. I think it's wonderful. Genuinely love it. And and you know what that means. And those were quick hits. And it's still not time for a break because this is a short episode. It's a very short episode. All right, let's move right along to the labor report. Mike, what's leading us off this week? Uh, first up, uh, unfortunately, we're, t- we're talking about layoffs yep. again. Israeli mobile publisher Playtika is laying off 6% of its workforce. That's about 250 people of its approximately 4,000 employees. The company is also planning to close its offices in Montreal, LA, and London. And it's canceling in-development game projects at those studios uh, that are not yet released. Uh, This leaves the company operating in Israel, Germany, Ukraine, Belarus still. Yikes. Poland and Romania. Oh boy, we we absolutely abhor having to report on layoffs. It's always the worst thing. Um, EA says that its support for LGBTQIA plus people is quote unwavering in a new blog 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 post. Got blog it. post. Blog post. Blog post. Yeah, got there. Listen, tired. No realtor. Only vibes. <laughs> <laughs> this is a vibes only episode. Um. But let's be real, if it was actually unwavering, this blog post, you know, in response to some miserable comments at an internal meeting, um, you know, wouldn't be necessary. It just wouldn't be. Uh, The company was facing an employee walkout over its wavering but not unwavering comments that it would only speak up if if it represented the values of all 13,000 employees, y'all. 
In a blog post attributed to Chief People Officer Mala Singh, the company says, quote, as a company, we are united that trans rights are human rights, women's rights are human rights, and our support is unwavering for our people, our players, and our LGBTQIA plus communities. However, EA will still not say the word abortion. The blog post is linked in the show notes. At this point, abortion is not a dirty word. I'm sorry. It's It's not. This is the year 2022. And sometimes they are just necessary. And if your support is unwavering and you're saying that women's rights are human rights, be then specific. Then you should be saying be specific reproductive about the right rights yes. are human rights. Repro rights are human yes. rights for everyone. Yep. I, this this is this is good. It was necessary. Like they had to stem stem the tide here because uh, this was this was already con- considering all of and this is this is something that I have I have touted for a number of years. EA had been for a long time best in class in terms of their their DEI efforts within video games in general. Like they had DEI initiatives long before many other AAA publishers even bothered. So this was a deeply disappointing way for them to completely undermine literal award-winning efforts by not taking care of everyone at their company. Mm-hmm. And if you don't support reproductive rights, that's your business, but it's not your business to prevent anyone else from maintaining bodily autonomy. Absolutely. Next up, in a new blog post attributed to Microsoft President Brad Smith, he says the company will, quote, respect the right of employees to unionize and that it does not believe, quote, employees or the company's other stakeholders benefit by resisting lawful employee efforts to participate in protected activities including forming or joining joining a union. Now, there are a couple of things here. I saw this reported as Microsoft outright committing to voluntarily recognizing a union. Um, it hints at that, but, but it doesn't say... But it says it's respecting the rights of the employees, which means that they will not be dragged before the NLRB. I hope. I, I would really wish that they would have come right out and said... We will voluntarily recognize unions, but that's I hope not. So, but I that's not what's happening. But here's here. the thing: I think they are still going to make them take the vote. Yeah, I agree. So, but they won't prevent them from organizing, no. which I, which means that they won't be brought in front of the NLRB. Um, yeah, they won't have to have a hearing, like, exactly, like, like Activision like did Activision with Blizzard. Raven. But they will likely. This does not say they won't force the vote, force an NLRB moderated vote. Oh, okay, understood. Um, the the other thing here: the word lawful is doing a lot of heavy lifting here, as Microsoft could easily suggest, as Activision tried to, that a micro-union like Raven's QA team might not be, quote, lawful, and therefore fight it. Because they could go back and say, well, we, well, we said we weren't going to resist lawful employee efforts, but this we don't feel this is lawful, so we're challenging it. Right. So I, I think this is a good signal, but I really wish, this is another one of those times where I wish people would read things more critically and also ask if they have questions. Absolutely. Because this is written very, very carefully. It's a, you were talking about good vibes. This is a good vibes blog post. Oh, for sure. It's definitely a good vibes blog post. But good vibes does not necessarily equate to executed corporate strategy. It's like we talk about this all the time. There are going to be times where businesses have corporate strategy that align with with the sentiment of the workforce and the sentiments of consumers. Mm-hmm. But that is not that's that's not necessarily because they're altruistic. So right. let's let's not mistake it here. At the end of the day, 
hopefully, based on this information, this means that Microsoft will not stand in the way of employees, their employees, their workforce mm-hmm. organizing. Yeah. Hopefully that's what this means. I, but I do agree. I think that Lawful is doing a lot of heavy lifting here. So we'll see what happens. Like, again, it's very good vibes. It does, if not explicitly state, creates a set of expectations. Sure, absolutely. And whether or not they live up to those expectations or ultimately double back on them, we won't know until they're actually faced with a real consequence of, uh, of a union coming to the table. Absolutely. Now, the other thing they said is they admitted that they have a lot to learn in this regard, which I think is... A, a humble approach that they need to take because the truth is they've never had to deal with this. Exactly. And prior to the last two years, no one in high tech was, no one in high tech was organizing at all because for the most part, as somebody who did work in high tech and did consider, did consider um, organizing way back in the day, like way back in 2007, you know, it was just not done. It was not done in high tech ever. Like at, when I was a programmer. So, I don't know. I'm I'm hopeful because allowing employees to organize at Microsoft is very much in line with the strategy that they have put in place over the years. Mm-hmm. And admitting that they have a lot to learn is a humbleness that we've come to expect from such an Adela's company. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Two more labor stories and then one other thing to wrap up. Absolutely. So this is all hitting as Activision is facing an NLRB complaint from the Communications Workers of America. The group says that Activision illegally retaliated against employees for unionizing, including the company's refusal to grant pay increases to those seeking collective bargaining status. You might recall that Activision announced that all of its QA staff were going to be receiving a pay increase when asked about whether that applied to Raven. They said, well, no, because that could that could improperly taint the union proceedings. And that I, was terrible. Yeah, I had some. In fact, we talked about this, right? We, 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 we got our, a lawyer who asked to remain anonymous, uh, spoke with us about this and ultimately said, look, you know, the the CWA or in this case, the Game Workers Alliance could mm-hmm. contest this. No one is. But they probably didn't want it to be one more thing on the path to. Right. Getting, getting the union vote in and making sure that everything was fine. For so sure. that's why this is getting filed now. Now that the the, uh, the vote has been certified and yep. they are a union. They are a now union. Now they're like, hey, you've messed you around messed up. You screwed around. Oh, you were- man. Would you say that they fucked around and they're about to find out? I sure hope they're about to find out. Yes. Gosh, I've just, I've been waiting for so long for Activision Blizzard to actually find out about something because they've been fucking around for enough years that finding out is finally catching up. Absolutely. Uh, And speaking of unions, remember those keywords QA employees embedded at Bioware that wanted to unionize? I did. I Uh, absolutely remember that. They, in fact, have unionized. All right. With a vote of 16 to 0. They are organized under the United Food and Commercial Workers Canada Union Local Number 401. Woot! And Keywords has announced that it has accepted the vote. So there's going to be some bargaining going on moving forward. I love that very, very much. Good for them and good for Keywords. And honestly, I hope that spurs some organization over at Bioware especially in Edmonton as well. Always rooting for my fellow Canadians when they are collectively organizing. Absolutely. All right. uh, One more non-labor story to wrap up as we, this will be a good uh, segue into the Summer Game Fest, which starts in about 35 minutes from when we're recording this right now. 
It's pretty good. Yep. Although you probably won't be listening to this no, until, I, until I publish it later. All right. And finally, Microsoft has made some announcements in advance of its showcase this weekend. The company is bringing Xbox Cloud Gaming to 2022 Samsung Smart TVs. That is super cool. I am really excited about that. We we have two Samsung TVs. My guess is they're not going to be able to add it. I would imagine Moving backwards. Uh, But moving forward, like if this becomes an establishing Matt Piscatella today, also commenting that this is actually likely to help drive console adoption for Xbox because people who get a taste with Xbox Game Pass. They want more. Yeah. Or they're like, oh, I I have internet caps. Maybe I should just buy an Xbox since I like these games. Absolutely. And then you get yourself, you know, potentially an extra small, small. Yep. So look, I, I love this. This is another step down the path of gaming for everyone. If there, there are plenty of households out there where this could be the thing that gets them to adopt gaming and bring gaming home for their kids because it's, you know, buying a console is, is expensive. Buying a computer is even more expensive, especially these days. And having something that is built right into your television, if you're buying a new TV, man, that's a huge, huge draw. Yeah, I love that absolutely. so much. Cloud gaming is also coming to more countries, including Argentina and New Zealand. Uh, there's some plans to improve gaming for uh, those of us on Windows 11. Yes. Some new features coming. Optimizations for windowed games, oh, which thank is really goodness. good. Yes, please. Because uh, I play... When I'm streaming, I play my games in windowed mode. Yeah. Uh, let's see. An HDR calibration app, which Very will be nice. nice. A Game Pass widget. Oh, that's neat. And a controller <gasps> bar, which will feature recent games and shortcuts to a variety yes. of launchers, not just the Xbox game app. I launcher. love that. So this is something really interesting. So this is this is deemed Project Moorcroft. Yes. And it is a new partnership Microsoft is working on to fund developers to make demos of their games for Game Pass members. There was a time when demos just died. They died and it was terrible because I love game demos. I've always loved game demos. They were the thing that got me to buy things like PC Magazine back in the 90s. Oh man, demo discs. Those demo discs, they were everything. And I, it was such a bummer when they went away because we moved towards, you know, more console stuff. But now demos have made this glorious comeback. And honestly, I do credit Steam in part for this, especially Steam Next Fest, Mm. you know, because they do have all these incredible demos that developers are putting out so that they can show off their polished vertical slices in digital capacities. And I just... Love it. Yes. So in addition to compensation, developers will have access to player data for their demos. And this is going to roll out within the next 12 months. This is big. This is big for developers. This is big for players. So a couple things on this. Obviously, you might be asking, well, why does Microsoft have to pay developers to make demos? Making demos is expensive. It's a cost. And it takes you and it takes you away when you're polishing up a demo, it takes you away from from your development path mm-hmm. from the from the ebb and flow of actually working on the finished project the other thing that is really interesting here is that this is the opportunity you brought up steam next fest which i really love mm-hmm. steam next fest is one of one of mm. honestly i look forward to it every single time that they announce there's a new next fest because i'm like i'm gonna download all those demos all those demos yep but you have to play them within but, this spirit this specific period and of then time. they sit on your hard drive and then you have to like manually uninstall them yeah, but I don't mind that so much because right. then it reminds me that, oh, I but, have to buy this game. <laughs> right. 
But what if you didn't actually have to download them? You could just stream them immediately. And they were right there during a show. I mean, that would be really powerful stuff. That would be really powerful because we are living in, we're st- folks, I don't know if you know this. I don't know if any of you know this. I'm pretty sure you do. But we are still in the midst of a global pandemic. We are still dealing with COVID-19 and folks that have disabilities and are not able to go to shows or they can't go to shows because they don't want to get sick, you know, they deserve to be able to play demos too instead of just it only being accessible to folks that are physically um, physically able to reach these in-person locations, mm. you know? Quick nod here to uh, Nathan Grayson over at Washington Post who, wrote a, who interviewed the ESA head Stanley Pierre-Louis uh, this week and actually asked him point blank about the, the organization's bullshit response. Like, oh, we're canceling E3 2022 because of COVID, which I knew and I had said this on Twitter. And my, I'm actually my tweet is actually linked in the story <laughs> that it was bullshit because mm-hmm. I knew months before it was it was December. Yeah. Yeah, December it was. Yeah. that we that we received word from sources, and I was trying to work and confirm the story. The, I just the couldn't problem, get the source, sources lined up. The problem is that we we had what two sources, and we only feel comfortable breaking news when we have three. Yeah, it was one of those things where we wanted to be absolutely sure. But they're saying like, "Oh, you three is going to come back next year as both a physical and a digital event." I they haven't announced dates yet. So. I'm gonna I'm just gonna lay this out here. Please don't. I'm gonna lay I this mean, out. Yes, please don't. Um. If they come back, and it's a big if, they'll probably be back in that airplane hangar in Santa Monica. That's it. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, boy. Yep. It's Santa Monica times all oh, over Oh, no. Again. And as Don't much as I love Santa Monica, and I do, it's actually the nicest. I like it because the beaches are nice. Mm. But for those that were actually at those shows, we'll tell you straight up, no chaser, how terrible that year was. Yeah. Uh, last thing, Microsoft has put some shape around its plans for Activision Blizzard if the act, if the acquisition goes through. This None of this is going to sound like a, pro- a surprise if you've been watching how Microsoft has been handling Bethesda. Yeah. The company says that it doesn't plan to wall off existing games from users on other platforms. That means, you know, Call of Duty is not just going to disappear. No, I, like, it would, it's too valuable as a multi-platform release. Like, mm-hmm. they, it just wouldn't make any sense. Walling it off as an exclusive would just end up creating bad consumer sentiment and wouldn't add anything. It would just take away, which is not really what Microsoft is purporting to do. Right. And, you know, other games, other new games and established series, maybe. Maybe they're not going to come to other platforms. We'll see. I don't know. Like, But when Diablo 4 finally hits, I imagine that's probably going to be multi-platform. It could be Xbox and PC only, but honestly, at this point, eh. I kind of think that it's probably going to be multi-platform. New IP, I would guarantee that that is going to be console exclusive. And if they bring back games in other established franchises, good chance that that's going to be console exclusive in PC. Yep, more so, than likely. no big surprises here. No. Some really cool stuff in advance of their showcase on Sunday. Very Project excited Warcraft about that. is really cool. Yeah, like, gonna, that's, that's my big takeaway. We're going to see Starfield on Sunday. So that's pretty cool. I know I'm I that's more my thing than your thing. Yeah, no. Look, I you you know I'm an arcane gal. We're, we might see Redfall too. If we see Redfall, I might cry. Yeah. Like a little, a yeah. lot, a little. Looking forward to that. It's going to be really great, but you know what? We what? have to wrap up because we have 
we have we we have to go. We, we have, have to go. We, we got to go downstairs and and camp out. In we got to go the, get the set YouTubes up or whatever. We do absolutely. So you know what? Thank you for listening to the Virtual Economy Podcast. This has been episode one thirty one. You can follow us on Twitter at Virtual Econcast. I am Amanda Farrow on Twitter, and I am at Futterish F U T T E R I S H. You can subscribe to our RSS feed at virtualeconcast.com. You can also listen to us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon, Stitcher, Pocket Cast. I think there's one more. But and Pocket Sand. Oh, right in the friggin' face. Right in the face. So yeah, please subscribe and if possible, review the show. Let us know what you think. You know what else we really love? What do we love? I love listener questions. Oh my God. Yum. <laughs> Did you just easy A this? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> What just happened? I think that he just easy aid this. You know what? I'm going to let him have it. We love questions. So we'd love it if you could DM us with questions on Twitter or send us, you know, your questions on podcast at fsquared.biz. If you have leads for a story that you don't feel comfortable sharing in either of those capacities, you can always DM us and ask for our signal numbers. We have those too. Another great place to hang out with us is actually on Discord. Discord, our Discord is really cool. Super lots friendly. of great, lots of great people. Great we talk people. about, oh my, could you just let me talk? Let her talk. Ow. <laughs> um, I lost my train of thought. You know Discord's what? Discord's great is what you were saying. Discord's, Discord's great. great. Yeah, that part. We have a couple more bonus episodes that should be rolling out over the next few weeks. I know that I have been saying that for a little while, but we have a great interview that I did with two members of Code Coven, which is just, it was such a superb conversation and they're rolling out a new program again, which is just exciting as heck. So keep your eyes peeled for that. I'm going to be dropping that next week. Yep. So that's it. Enjoy the Summer Game Fest, enjoy the showcases, and in the meantime, remember to wash your hands, stay hydrated, and be good to one another. We'll see you soon.